Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year. Then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and it is now Saturday, the 11th day of February. 2017, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. As you can probably guess, I am recording this from the mobile Sully Baseball Studio, also known as my car, driving through the streets of Burbank, California, the birthplace of former California Angels third baseman Doug DeSensei. I am uh, going back and forth and up and down and up and down the coast of California, as you probably can pinpoint, and it's uh, it's raining here. It's raining in California. It's been raining a lot. In fact, we've had more rainfall this year. I, I forget the numbers. Like, we've had more rainfall in 2017 than we had in all of 2016. I, if you ask me to tell me the source of that, I can't. I heard someone say it. Sounded about right to me. You know, we had a massive drought here, and it was a real pain in the ass. I mean, amongst everything else, it was just a pain in the ass. Then we had a massive drought here in California. And, there, you know, there's some aspects that are a pain in the ass. There's some aspects which are, you know, truly dangerous. And there was, you know, there was... And there's a lot of sort of class stuff that comes up when you have a, a big calamity like a drought. Like, you can only use X amount of water. Well, for some people, if they have... Uh, you know, fountains and a waterfall in front of their house, as opposed to someone who's using water to drink and wash their clothes. You know, I think they should, you know, shut down your fountains. Shut down your waterfalls. And, you know what, we're in California. It takes a lot of water to make your grass green. Maybe don't have a lawn. Maybe it's something that's indigenous. You know, not everything has to look like Dublin. And, you know, when I see a lot of, like, right now I'm driving down the streets of Burbank, and it's pouring rain. And there's part of me is like, you know, put buckets out. We don't need to water the streets. The streets aren't going to grow. Put lots and lots of buckets out and, and, and store that water next time we have a damn drought. <laughs> we grow a lot of food here. You know, when you think, close your eyes, you think of California, you think of probably it looking like Beverly Hills, uh, movie theaters, or movie studios, high-tech companies, and, you know, beachfront property. That's probably what most people think California is all about. Most of California are farms. Most of this state is just a lot of farmland. And so when you have all this water just 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 floating all over the place, save it! Save it! Just put buckets out, put it, you know, find it, build a new reservoir, do something, damn it. You know, we I'm driving past there's there's like five seven elevens on this street that I'm gonna pass. Um um you know on the on the, I'm on uh, um uh Hollywood Way, is this it? Hollywood Boulevard here in Burbank. And between the 134 and the airport, you pass five, uh, four or five 7-Elevens. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. And do you know what? I don't think we need them, all of them. Have one of them be a reservoir. How about that? 
You know, we don't need a Slurpee that badly. We're going to need this water someday. I should be in charge of things. These are the things that I think about. You know, like when it was, when you had all this giant, you know, huge snowstorms going on in place, and you knew that snow was going to melt and cause a calamity, and cause a problem, and cause lots of flooding. Well, why not take that snow and, and, and put it in containers and bring it out and dump it in reservoirs and place that's having a drought? Yeah, if we could have a, a if we could have a pipeline going from Alaska through the Dakotas that that poisons water and and, and kills people, then maybe we could have a pipeline with damn water so we could grow some avocados. Sally, stick to baseball. Don't be political. Killing kids is political. All right, fine. That's the age we live in. Let's talk about something that actually isn't very funny. Um, yesterday's podcast, I talked about Jeffrey Loria and the fact that he uh, could possibly be selling the Marlins and what a positive thing that would be for baseball to essentially give the city of Miami a shot with their baseball team. Because a franchise with the right owner, even if the chips are down in that city, even if the economic chips are down in that city, the right owner can create a culture of winning and also just being a good, solid team. And with that in mind, I'm going to pay my respects to Mike Illich. Mike Illich has been the, the owner of the Tigers since 1992. The only time I've ever been to Detroit was in 1991. And they were owned by... What the hell is the name of it? I'm driving. I can't remember. The guy who ran Domino's, I believe it was. Well, it would, Mike Illich ran Little Caesars Pizza. And he bought the Tigers. I thought it was so weird. Like, only pizza owners can own the Tigers. And when he took over the Tigers in 1992, they, they had a competitive season in 1991, but they were definitely on the way down. They had a few remnants left of the great 19. 19- 84 team, but they were a team that was aging and, and falling apart and eventually became a really bad team. And under Mike Elledge's watch, that first decade, they were playing Tiger Stadium, which was a wonderful place to have a baseball experience, but I can imagine going there day in and day out, it got a little cramped and a little awkward. And, of course, the city of Detroit was going through a, you know, massive financial upheaval and basically was was destitute. If there was ever a cry for a city to lose its franchise and to have a team say, hey, look, we don't want to be around here anymore. This is a dying city. There's no money here. Let's go elsewhere. A period of time where franchises were popping up in Miami and in Denver and Phoenix and Tampa Bay and later in Washington when Montreal lost their team. You know, you could have made a case to have the Tigers leave. And the wrong owner buying the team after the 1991 season, we could have had the Tampa Bay Tigers. You know, and don't talk to me about tradition. Tradition doesn't buy you much. 
You know, you could have moved the team and people would have said, yeah, well, Detroit was falling apart. And Mike Illich invested in the team and in the city. And he was exactly the kind of owner that if you are a fan of a team that you should ask a genie for. You know, there wasn't much to go on in that first decade, but, you know, it was laying down the groundwork. The Tigers stayed in Detroit. And not only did they stay in Detroit, they had, you know, he had to go through the complicated politics and everything. And yes, he used public money to to build a stadium. I'm not a big fan of that. I've made it clear I'm not a big fan of using public money to build a stadium. But Comerica Park is a state-of-the-art stadium that's the home of the Tigers. And I'll tell you something that I find that is interesting about when the Tigers moved to Comerica Park is they made no attempt to replicate Tiger Stadium. There, I mean, Tiger Stadium was enclosed, tight, the, the overhang over the field. You, you felt like you were on top of the game. When my father and I went to a game in Tiger Stadium the last year before it, the Illich family took over, we were sitting in the upper deck. We felt like we were hanging over the field. And Comerica Park was wide open and much more of a pitcher's ballpark than the hitter's paradise that was uh, Tiger Stadium. In fact, the first season I was there, the way the dimensions were, people uh, derisively called it uh, Comerica National Park. It was so hard to hit a home run, but it was a downtown Detroit stadium. So we're we're staying in the city when things were not going so well in the city of Detroit. Now the team the team wasn't doing that well either. Remember they lost what was it 119 games in uh, 2003? That's one of the worst teams in terms of win loss record in the history of baseball. Now, of course, Illich also owned the Red Wings, and the Red Wings became, you know, just a dynasty and a team that you, they won four Stanley Cups uh, under his ownership, and the Red Wings just became, it became a given that the Red Wings were going to be a powerhouse, with, you know, and if you were going to write down a Stanley Cup contender, whether it was in the 90s or the 2000s or 2010s, you were going to, you were going to jot down um, you were going to jot down the Red Wings at one point or another. And the place became one of the biggest hockey cities in the world with a tradition on that in the sense that, hey, they're going to put a good product on the field. It was something to cheer about. And when the Tigers finally turned it around, it was based on a couple of things, but two very bold moves that were you know, signed off by and signed with on the checkbook by Mike Gillich. One was taking uh, uh, Pudge Rodriguez from the Marlins and saying, hey, we got a, a, you know, a star player, eventually a Hall of Famer. We're going to plop him onto the team and say he's going to be part of the rebuilding of the squad and eventually bringing in Jim Leland. And say, yeah, Jim Leland, uh, marquee manager, is taking over the team. And they made it to the World Series. And they they had a team that, do you know what? 
some of the biggest stars in the game passed through Detroit. You know, beyond Pudge Rodriguez, Justin Verlander has become one of the marquee pitchers in baseball. Cy Young Award MVP probably could have won another, maybe even possibly two other Cy Young Awards. And the Tigers became one of those teams that you just wrote, like the Red Wings, you wrote in as a contender. Year in and year out. The contending Tigers. Which was insane. What? Uh, By the, you know, what was it? 2003 when they won 100, they only, they lost 119 games. The idea of the Tigers being a contender year in and year out. But part of that was they built up good players. Part of it, they absolutely fleeced the Florida Marlins and they brought in Miguel Cabrera and essentially they acquired a Hall of Famer. I think when push comes to shove and when the history of the Detroit Tigers is written, uh, Miguel Cabrera will be remembered as one of the two or three greatest Tigers of all time. Alongside Ty Cobb and alongside Hank Greenberg. And there's probably someone else and he's saying, what about Harry Heilman? What about Charlie Geringer? I don't know. I haven't thought about it. And the fact that the Tigers were playing in Detroit with all the economic problems they're having, all the social problems were going on in Detroit throughout his tenure of owning the team, and he invested in the team. The Tigers became a big-budget franchise. The Tigers competed for free agents and sometimes landed the free agents, but more often than not landed the daring trades. And you look up and say, holy Toledo, the Tigers are always in it. They are. I mean, with a year here, a year there, maybe not. And there was a couple years where they just narrowly missed the playoffs. But since 2006, there isn't a single year that you could have made a pick in the AL Central if you had said, hey, I think the Tigers are going to win, that you would look stupid saying so. And many years, they look like, oh, man, they're prohibitive favorites. Now, they never won the World Series. And the funny thing is, and this is one of these things that happens, over the course of years, I found myself rooting against the Tigers a lot. I like the A's. The A's are a team I like a lot. And the Tigers beat the A's in the 2006, 2012, and 2013 postseason. And I was rooting hard against the Tigers each of those years. I also liked the Texas Rangers. They were a team I really dug. And so when the Tigers played the Rangers in the ALCS, I rooted for the Rangers. I have a soft spot in my heart for Buck Showalter. So when the Orioles played the Tigers in the 2014 playoffs, I rooted for Baltimore. And my second favorite team are the San Francisco Giants. And I rooted for the Giants against the Tigers in the 2012 World Series. And my favorite team are the Red Sox. And I rooted for the Red Sox in the ALCS against the Tigers. So a lot of these years, I found myself rooting 
against Detroit. Now, I don't like the Yankees, so when the Tigers defeated the Yankees in the Division Series in 2006, I was thrilled. When they beat them in the Division Series in 2011, I was thrilled. And I'm not a big St. Louis Cardinal fan, so when it was Cardinals-Tigers in the 2006 World Series, I was really rooting for a seven-game series. But I was rooting for Detroit to win it. And, you know, certainly the Cardinals took control of that series, so I was rooting for them hard for most of that World Series. So, over the years, I've rooted against them. And I've pointed out what everybody knows. That their Achilles heel, their bullpen, cost them probably at least one World Championship. I believe the team in 2013, who lost to the Red Sox... They should have beaten the Red Sox. Hell, they won game one and were up, what, 5-1 to one late in game two? A pair of grand slams, one by Big Poppy and one by Shane Victorino, against the bullpen is what derailed them. You know, and that's what... that's The Giants defeated their bullpen in the final game of the 2012 World Series. I mean, there's all sorts of games that you can point to and say, if they had a good bullpen to go along with their wonderful rotation, Mike Illich would have had a world championship. And because I rooted against him so many times, there was maybe a bit of gleefulness, it sounded, coming from your pal Sully over those Tiger losses. But Mike Illich was what you want in an owner. And I also know from Vanessa Ivy Rose, who's been a guest on this podcast and the granddaughter of Hall of Famer Turkey Stearns who played for the Detroit Stars of the Negro Leagues. And she's told me how the Detroit Tiger organization, especially on Negro League night, has been incredibly gracious and incredibly warm and welcoming to their family and honored her grandfather, Turkey Stearns, even though he never played for the Tigers, he played for the Detroit Stars and recognized that he belongs in the annals of the great players in Detroit baseball history. I kind of wish they won one of those years. I guess 2006 is the easiest one for me to point to. I wish they won in 2006. Boom. Again, I was rooting for Oakland in that ALCS, but after the Maglio Odornia's home run, well then, boom. Beat the Cardinals. The Cardinals only won, what, 83, 84 games that year? Beat them. Step on their throat. They lost. That would have been great. A championship for Mike Illich. I don't know. I never knew Mike Illich. I never met him. Uh, I only know his public persona. One thing that we all have to come to grips with is a public persona is not who a person is. I don't know if he was a nice guy. Uh, He seems to be well-respected. He seems to be well-loved in Detroit. And the fact of the matter is this. He did as a sports owner. What he did as a sports owner is exactly the opposite of what Jeffrey Loria did. Illich earned the trust of the fans, earned the respect of the fans, and knew that, yes, of course he wants to make lots of money with the team, but knew that the team meant something to the city. 
There was a sense of pride, and there is a sense of pride with the Detroit Tigers in Detroit and with the Detroit Red Wings in Detroit, for that matter. You know, imagine, I mean, if the if you didn't have the Red Wings championships, then what would Detroit fans be clinging to? I guess the world championship by the Pistons over the Lakers in 04. But the fact that they've had so many titles with the Red Wings has made Detroit seem like a city of champions. And if the Tigers had ever pulled one off, it would have made it all the more sweeter. And the effect of this is something that's very interesting as well. Loria leaving leaves open for Miami an owner to come in and be a Mike Illich. To say, do you know what? We're going to take care. We're going to put together a good product this year. We're going to care about the city of Miami. What I'm worried about and what all Detroit Tigers should be, the Detroit Tiger fans should be worried about is life after Illich in Detroit. I don't know if his son, Skippy Marlowe, or, you know, Zippy, I don't know the hell his kids are named, and and I don't know what they're going to do in terms of who's going to run the team. But if there's one thing we've seen when kids start to run the team, whether it's the Yankees, whether it's the Raiders, whether it's Los Angeles Lakers, it usually doesn't end well. And if someone else takes over the Tigers, I have a feeling they won't be pouring the money, heart, and soul that Illich would. A market like Detroit's not that different than a market like Cincinnati or Cleveland. And Cincinnati and Cleveland are considered low-revenue, low-market teams. Oh, we can't afford... I mean, even like the Indians, who right now look like are heavy favorites to win the American League Central and a strong pick to win the American League pennant, but there's a sense of, yeah, but they can't hold this team together. Eventually, they're going to have to break this team up, just like what happened in Cincinnati, who had that wonderful run between 2010 and 2013 before they had to break the team up. What will this mean for Justin Verlander? What will this mean for Miguel Cabrera? What will this mean for the team as it's constituted now? A big budget team. Man, if they had picked up a closer somewhere along the way, there would be a sense of, hey, at least they won a championship. It would be more like what's going on with the Phillies when they won a title and said, all right, well, we won our title. We're going to break up the team now. It's probably going to happen with Kansas City as well. It's easier to swallow when you have a parade to remember. For Tiger fans, they're still clinging to that championship of 1984. And so close. So close with this run. And so close for Mr. Illich. And I can't help but wonder and be worried for the Detroit Tigers. And wonder what's going to happen in the future. Are the Tigers going to be a marquee franchise? Are the Tigers going to be one of the teams that spends money on free agents? When free agents go out there on the market, the Tigers are inevitably one of the teams that people talk about. Oh, this could be a landing spot here, it could be a landing spot there. What will that mean? And if they start breaking this team apart, as the Royals are breaking their team apart, and as the White Sox have put two sticks of dynamite in their team, and as the Twins are falling apart... Man, if you're Cleveland, you're saying, you know what? Let's just go for it for the next two years. And this could be their division to play with 
I mean, they're all but certain. To, the Cleveland's all but certain to win the division in 2017. They may be ready to win in 2018 if the Tigers blow up the squad. So, you know, when we do our in memoriam video that we're gonna we do every year and unveil around the All Star Game. You know, obviously Jose Fernandez is going to be in it, and obviously Mike Illich is going to be in it. And it's a shame that the clip we're going to use of Mike Illich will probably be the one holding up the American League Championship trophy and not the World Series trophy. It's really, you know, it's a real shame and sign that sometimes life isn't fair. Jeffrey Loria got to hoist a world championship trophy and Mike Illich didn't and maybe that could be used as an earmark of the quality of an owner if someone derides the quality of an owner based solely upon whether or not they won a championship or not well they never won a title they never, they never won a title under him well they won a title under Jeffrey Loria the Angels won a title under Michael Eisner. You know, teams can win with crap owners. And the Tigers never won for Mike Illich. And it's too bad. Because he gave back to the city of Detroit. He put a product on the field and made the Tigers a point of pride for a city that needed some points of pride. For that, I say rest in peace, Mr. Illich. Sorry I rooted against you all those years. So go to sullybaseball.com. Like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Driving in the rain of Burbank, California, this has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast. For the 11th day of February 2017, I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.